going to read the scripture, Romans chapter 4, verse 18 through verse 25. On Sunday mornings, we go through the scripture. If you're new, uh, we read the Bible, we explain the Bible, we apply the Bible. So we're like a Bible church. Uh, we're an ex- expositional teaching Bible church. We'll be reading from the New Living Translation, and we're going to begin in Romans chapter 4, verse I'll read verse 18, you'll read verse 19, 21, and 23, and 4. And so I'd like to ask you to read loud, read loud so everybody can hear you. Beginning in verse 18, Romans chapter 4 says this, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to them, that's how many descendants you will have. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And he was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. You may be seated. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you that we're here. Thank you, Lord, for everyone that has gathered here and everyone that's gathered online. And Jesus, we just want to declare that you're above our circumstances, that you can touch our hearts, that you can make your words come alive to us, that you're above every situation that we face, that you are what we need today. We thank you that you lived and you you died and you rose again and you're coming again, that your kingdom never ends, that you make all things new, that you answer our prayers and you change our lives. So, Lord, as we open your word, we pray that you would speak to us. We recognize these are God-breathed words, words that you have breathed. So, Father, equip us to live a life of faith, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, saying? So, I want to ask you, I want to ask you to begin with a question here. How many of you have enjoyed the decade of of 2020 or 2021? You enjoyed the decade, I mean, the year. That was funny. I don't care what you think. You enjoyed one of those years. By a show of hands, you enjoyed those years. A few of us did. There are a few of us enjoyed those years. Some of us didn't. And perhaps some of us didn't enjoy those years because of perhaps COVID or perhaps of maybe online school or there was a bit of drama. Come on, somebody. Uh, there was vaccinations and vaccination cards and masks and people getting freaked out, people getting disappointed, people getting angry. I read that uh, three out of four Americans are angry. People are losing their faith. This is reality. They're losing their faith. And uh, I wonder how many people have lost their faith in the last year. Maybe that you know. And what do people, why are we losing our faith? What are we losing our faith in? Maybe just shout it out. What are we losing our faith in? Somebody. Okay, wait, wait. Like, okay, raise your hand and I'll point to you. Okay. Boy, that was like, that. Was, did you feel the anger in the room? Like everybody said government. Okay, what? One person at a time. Why? What are we losing our faith in? Each other. Okay, good. People. Someone else. What are we losing our faith in? Come on, somebody. Okay, the A group over here, the B group over here. Maybe you can catch up. What are we losing our faith in, someone? Our school district, good. In the back? The future, very good, very good. The future, someone else. Media, yeah, yeah, so right here. Our health care system, yeah. So anyone else? Okay, anyone else? Right, yeah, Randy. 
Sorry? Politicians. Okay. Anyone else? I'm ready to wrap it up here. Okay. Chris. Safety. Safety. Okay, good. So the reality is this, is that people are losing their faith. And this morning, we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about Bible faith and how you can have that faith there. So we're going to look at a case study in Romans chapter 4 here about Abraham. And sanctuary, if you're new, we teach through the books of the Bible. That's what we're doing this week. We're in Romans chapter 4. What I want to tell you is God's word is timeless, and it's always timely for the troubled times in which we live as people are losing their faith. And so Romans chapter 4, it's all about faith. And this is a subject today uh, that we're going to talk about and we're going to learn how to walk in in spite of everything that you see that you just mentioned. We're going to look at a guy named Abraham and unpack his life. And Abraham really is an encouragement to us this morning. You're going to see that because he wasn't a perfect man. Uh, we're going to unpack some of his life there. But he had many mistakes, many failures. Many times he uh, got defeated, ended up in a ditch. And so I want to give you the backstory of Romans chapter 4. And then we're going to begin Uh, We're going to start actually in verse 17. So God shows up, Genesis chapter 11, in Abraham's life at the Ur of the Chaldees, which is part of Babylon, which was really not a good place to live, full of idolatry. And he was living with his father-in-law, who was a full-blown idolater. So he had all of that influence in his life. And God shows up in his life one day, says, Abraham, you're going to leave your country I'll leave everything that's familiar with you. Leave the government that you don't like. Leave your father who is godless. And you're going to go to a place that I'm going to show you. And so Abraham took off, didn't even know where he was going. But God was going to show him where that was. And it says this in verse 17. If you want to look on, on the, uh, the scripture on the monitor. It says, and this is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I've made you a father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. So what is the one thing that Abraham did here? It says he believed. He believed in God. So think about it. What one thing can we offer to God who needs nothing that has everything? And that is our faith. And it says in verse 17 what he knew about God. And he says, who creates new things out of nothing. That's key, who creates new things out of nothing. When we create things, friends, watch. We create things out of pre-existing things. We never create things out of nothingness. In the Bible, uh, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. God created them out of nothingness. The word is bara there, which means not pre-existing things, but out of nothingness. And so uh, what it's saying here is that the whole creation came into existence out of nothing. God just spoke it out of the power of his word, and it came into existence. Hebrews says this, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the very word of God. Hebrews 11.3 there. And so God doesn't just work with, with what we see. It's a very important point I'm making here, what we see. He's not limited by what we see. Oftentimes our faith journey is completely limited by what we see. But with Abraham, it wasn't because he saw beyond that. Faith is trusting in what God says until then you see it. 
So living by sight is different than living by faith. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this a lot this morning. And so Romans chapter 4 is all about faith. So verse 18 now, the ultimate example of faith is Abraham. It says this, even when there was no reason for hope. Why is that? Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. So think about this. Abraham now, he's about 75 years old. Sarah's about 65 years old. And so that's the couple. And God says to them, you're going to have a baby boy. And you're going to become, now, they never even had any children. They were, of course, beyond the ability, the capacity to have children. God says, you're going to have a baby boy. And not only that, out of you is going to come a nation. And I'm going to give you not only a son, but I'm going to give you the son of God, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So God is telling Abraham at 75 that he's going to have a boy. And Sarah is 65. Now, how many men at 75 years old are ready to start a family? Come on. Ladies, how many women are dreaming about having a baby and getting pregnant at 65? Yeah. So Abraham and Sarah are childless, yet Abraham's name means this. Abram means this. Father of many. Imagine that, living out his whole life, his name means, and people would know what his name meant, the father of many is a father of none. And then when his name changed to Abraham, it means father of multitudes. And so even when there was no reason for hope, it says here that Abraham hoped, even though the odds are massively stacked against him, against all human capability, against all human reproductive capacity, Abraham still believes God. Well, how did he do that, and how can you believe God? There was no grounds for hope, and yet he had hope. From a human perspective, Abraham just kept believing that he would be a father of many nations. So he believed God's promise that he would have a son. Why? Because God said so. And he hung on to that promise there. And so faith is believing when you can't see it. Faith is believing when you can't feel it. Remember the song? Uh, You sing Waymaker, even though I can't see it, uh, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Come on, everybody. Remember that song? You never stop. You never stop working. So, But even when you can't see it, Even when you can't feel it, you know and you're believing that God is working. That's faith, friends. And so this is a defining moment. I would submit to you that in your journey, there will be defining moments on whether or not you're going to believe God for what he's made real and promised to you. So there's no human reason to believe here. I mean, it is really, friends, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous to think he's going to have a son. It is absolutely ridiculous humanly impossible. And yet, there's Abraham walking out of his tent and thinking, seeing the stars of, uh, in the sky and saying, my children are going to be like that. Five years, nothing, praying, nothing, 10 years. My children are going to be like the stars of the, of the sky. 15 years go by, 20 years go by, 
25 years go by, and he's still believing God here. And so you see here that believing God is personal. No one else can believe for you. No one else could believe for Abraham but Abraham. So he's holding on here. And for 25 years, he knew that his son was going to come, hoping, waiting, trusting, believing, not in what he could see, but what he couldn't see had the promise of God there. And so the pers- being a person of faith, friends, it is the most important decision that you will ever make. It's a defining decision in your life, a life-changing decision. Look with me at verse 19, says this. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. 25 years, friends, did not weaken, even though at about 100 years, he figured his body was as good as dead, so was Sarah's womb. At 100 years of, of age, though his body may have been weakening, no doubting that, his body was weakening, but watch, his faith was not weakening. I don't know about you, but that should encourage us because 100 years of age, and he's going downhill. And this encourages us because your body's going to get weaker at some point. You may get older, and your body may feel older, but your faith can keep getting stronger. That's what's happening here. And so even though you grow older, your faith doesn't need to grow colder. You can, you can have a vibrant faith. You can have a fired-up faith. A real, a real faith, and that's how Abraham was, this spirit-filled, vibrant, believing, trusting God, even when he's 100 years old. And so one day, Abraham had a conversation with Sarah. And I want to tell you what I think the conversation, how it might have gone. So Abraham comes to Sarah and says, hey, honey, uh, I wonder if we could talk. Sure, Abraham, sure, good-looking guy, we, we can talk. And she says, well, well what do you want to talk about? And Abraham says, "Well, I don't really know how to. I don't really know how to to put it. What do you What do you mean by that, Abraham?" And Abraham says, "Well, may, maybe you better just maybe you better sit down. Well, well, why Why do I need to sit down? Well, God God told me something, and it may shock you. Maybe a little bit startling. Well, that's really interesting, Abraham. What is it going to be now? Well, you're going to have a baby." And Sarah's like, what did you just say? And Abraham says, yeah, that's what I said. You're going to have a baby. And she says, what, me? And he says, yes, you. And she just starts laughing. So they named Isaac Laughter because when she heard the news, she's like, you're just out of your mind, Abraham. And she just starts cracking up. And God also is like laughing, saying, hey, I'm going to have the last laugh here with you. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, But listen, the Bible says that Abraham's faith didn't weaken. And he would later say in Genesis 18, is anything too hard for God? And I would say that to you in the light of all the things we brought up about losing our faith. Is anything too hard for God? And so God made some promises to Abraham. And by faith, Abraham is clinging to the promise for 25 years until he can hold that baby in his arms. He's believing, he's following, he's trusting in spite of the circumstances that are telling him opposite of what he's believing. Now, friends, I want to talk about this, about the facts, the facts, because I think sometimes people have this this, uh, pie-in-the-sky, unrealistic, fantasy world faith where I'm just going to ignore the facts and I'm going to believe God. 
as if facts and believing God don't go together. Now think about this, the facts in Abraham's life. The facts were screaming at him, Abraham, you are not going to have a son. If you think you're having a son, you're a joke, Abraham. The facts are that there is no baby coming here. And when God said, you're going to have a baby, what did Abraham do? He's like, I'm ready to prepare the nursery. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I got the facts, but I'm going to prepare a nursery because faith is this. Though you may not see it, you believe what God has said in spite of the facts. Not that you're ignoring the facts. You receive the facts. See, Abraham is a smart guy, very smart guy, very capable guy, capable business guy, uh, you know, wealthy, wealthy guy. So he's intellectually contemplating all of the facts uh, uh, intellectually about his physical condition. Abraham looks at himself, and he's thinking to himself, man, I don't have much game left in me. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of miles on this body here, and uh, uh, like the check light engine, uh, check the engine light is coming on. You know, that's what he was in that season of life. And realizing that he's got a lot of miles on his body, and, uh, and Sarah, like, she was like, she was like useless, honestly, in terms of the, the capacity to have kids here. So Abraham's looking at himself, looking at Sarah, looking at the facts, like the fact of 50 years post-menopausal. Not playing games, 50 years post-menopausal. So he realizes the facts are this. It is an impossible circumstance. I have no procreative power within me. Nature is telling us there is no way. He's not ignoring the facts whatsoever. The facts are that he's 99 years old. The fact also is 25 years and no baby. And so uh, he's been praying. Think about it. He's been praying, believing, trusting for a couple decades and nothing. I mean, think about your own life. Think about my life. Have you ever been in a situation where God maybe made something real to you, uh, his promise, and in two or three weeks, like you're ready to give up? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe two or three months, and, and you're running out of gas? Uh, there was one thing that is, is private uh, for me, so I can't share it publicly, but one thing I had been praying for for a couple years, and I have to admit to you that, um, I'll, I'll say a little bit, it was a, it was a relational issue uh, with one of my sons and one of their friends, okay? I'll put it that way. One of my sons and one of their friends, and I just wasn't feeling it. I was praying. I was praying my guts out. I would, I, I would come down the stairs in the morning, and I would sit on the stairs. Sometimes I'd get on my face, and I would just pray and pray and pray, and I was starting to feel like, God, is it ever going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? Or just, uh, and so uh, it happened, and uh, that relationship uh, ended up not being, uh, ended up dissolving. And so, but we can have those seasons of life where we're praying a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years, and then we're ready to give up. And so here he is, a couple decades, friends, and he's not giving up because he had the promise of God. And so, but Abraham, watch, he doesn't ignore the facts. He mentally is processing the situation. He didn't have some spiritual fantasy world making up reality as he goes. No, 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 no. He's wrapped up in the facts, and he's not afraid of the facts, and he's looking closely and staring the facts in the face. And that's real faith, is that you don't run from, fa from the facts here. And so you don't ignore them. Now, how can he do that? 
How can he on one hand be looking at the, fa- the facts, being honest about the facts, and also simultaneously believing that God's going to give him a son? How could that be? Well, here's how it is. Because he looked at his dead body, and he remembered that he had a God who raised the dead. Remember verse 17 there? And uh, before, he held, before he held his baby, he held the promise of God for the 25 years knowing that what he believed about God to be true. And this is, the, this is so key, friends, because he believed in the God of creation. He believed in the God of the resurrection. He believed, as we read in verse 17, that God was able to bring into existence that which did not exist. Okay, They didn't have reproductive capacity. She wasn't fertile, whatever. But God was able, he believed that God was able to bring into existence that which did not exist and that God was able to revive or to resurrect that which used to exist. And so when you have that understanding, friends, really, you have the promise of God, anything is possible. So then he was confident in what God can do. So God gave Abraham that truth, which he downloaded into his heart and spirit and life, and he lived out of that reality of what God said. So then Abraham was not limited by circumstances, by what he saw, by what people said, because he had God's word in his heart, lodged in his heart, and he lived out of that. God's ability to create something, everything, out of nothing, uh, verse 17. And so, uh, so if he doesn't have a son, no problem for a, for a God who has the ability to create a son. And then you think about it, he also believed that he was the God of the resurrection. And so there's, there's um, Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. God calls him to go to Mount Moriah. And there he is uh, going, ascending Mount Moriah. And he looks at his son, and his son says to him, Hey, Dad, like, like where's the offering? Like, who's going to like do, where's it going to come from? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a burnt offering. And so there is Isaac with the wood on his back, ascending the mountain there. And they get up there, and there's no sacrifice visible. But the Bible says in Hebrews that Abraham knew that, if possible, that God would raise him up even from the dead, Hebrews 11. And so there he is, no sacrifice. So he takes Isaac, his son, and, he, and he's bound there uh, on the altar. And Abraham takes the knife there, and he was willing to, because he had the truth of God that God, if necessary, will raise the dead. And he knew that if necessary, God would raise Isaac from the dead. But he's going to believe God. So there he is. And when he's ready to plunge it into his son there, uh, uh, the angel of the Lord says, no, don't. He says, there is a ram caught in the thicket, and God had provided himself. In other words, uh, this is to the crest of Mount Moriah. God would be the sacrifice at the same point Jesus Christ would be sacrificed there. But the point is this, he believed that God was was able to even raise him from the dead. And so here's my big point number one. Faith sees reality and then sees God above reality. Faith sees reality. You you live live in this this world, this horizontal world of what you see. Faith sees that, does ignore it, does not afraid of it, doesn't run from it, but also realizes God is bigger than my reality. God is bigger than my reality. God is bigger than what I see. Verse 20. 
Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Isn't that something? A couple decades, never wavered. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Abraham never wavered at the promise. Now, it doesn't say that Abraham didn't get beat up by the promise. It doesn't say that Abraham didn't get battered around by the promise. But in the end, he did not waver. Oh, he had his struggles, friends. You know about that. Uh, He faced a famine. He faced a pharaoh. He had fears. And uh, when his struggles were over, though, his faith was unwavering. So he heard what God said. He believed in his mind and his heart. And he chose not to waver here. He didn't like flip-flop in his faith there. So let me ask you a question. Did Abraham have an amazing, continual, unfailing faith? Okay, the answer is the, the, the answer is coming. But did Abraham have a continual, amazing, never-failing faith, friends? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Okay, so uh, it seems that way, but let me show you. Abraham... Uh, when about 14 years into it or so, 13 years into it, no child. And Sarah says, hey, uh, Abraham, like, why don't you go get a girlfriend? I'm just telling the truth. It's in the Bible. And so why don't you go get a girlfriend? So Abraham goes and gets a girlfriend and gets her pregnant. Yeah? Perfect faith, friends? Is that a perfect, fr- is that a perfect faith there? When uh, uh, you're thinking like, hey, God's not showing up. And so God's a no-show, so I'm going to step in. I'm going to make this thing happen. I'm going to go into uh, uh, Rahab, and uh, I'm going to have a son that way. So he invents his own plan B uh, with Sarah, uh, the two of them there. And so that was a train wreck, friends. That was a train wreck that continues to this day, but that's another message. And so uh, would you agree with me that uh, it's not a re- it was not a real faith-filled day? Would you agree with me? He goes into, it, can we agree on that? Is that okay? We agree. That when the man of faith, uh, the architect of faith, the example of faith, the father of faith goes into Hagar and gets her pregnant, that was not a real good day. You, we can agree with that. Not a real good faith day. Okay, so uh, maybe I could put it this way. Ladies, if your husband gets a girlfriend, and uh, does he lack faith, yes or no? Does he lack faith, yes or no? N- yes or no? He lacks faith if he goes and gets a girlfriend, and he probably is going to lack breath in the near future. Would you say that's true? So God never said to Abraham, hey, Abraham, go, uh, go to, God's going to bring a son through your girlfriend. God never said that. And so God never said to Abraham, hey, give your wife away, which he did to the Pharaoh. Like, oh, who's that, who's that unbelievably attractive woman who's afraid for his own life? He goes, um, yeah, that's my, um, that's my sister. Yeah, that's my sister. Yeah, Sarah, she's my sister. And he lied through his teeth there. And so the point is this. He had his struggles. He had his doubts. His faith wasn't perfect. And God had to give him like mid-course corrections there. So number two, real faith is not perfect faith. Real faith is not perfect faith, but it is real faith in a perfectly faithful God. Okay, our faith is not perfect, but we have a God who is a perfectly faithful God. So don't be ashamed, friends. Don't be discouraged. The father of faith, the greatest human example of faith, had bad days. And we will have bad days. Bad days doesn't make you a bad person here. just proves he's a good God. And so Abraham is an encouragement to us because he was not a perfect man. And interestingly, also, friends, notice God does not mention one of his mistakes here in Romans. 
Not a perfect man, but a faithful man. So, and his faith grew strong, and watch this. My next point is this. And by this, he brought glory to God. Watch this. Believing God, trusting God, acting on that belief, being obedient brings glory to God. Do you think it would bring glory to God if Abraham said, you know, God, I don't think you're trustworthy. I don't think I want to obey you. I don't think you're like, I don't think you're a God that could be trusted. Is that bringing glory to God? No, no, no. How about your peers when they see you, see how you're living your life, trusting God, believing God, following his way? Does that bring glory to God? Yes, it does. And so it says here that his, as his faith grew stronger, as your faith grows stronger, watch, brings glory to God. Not just for Abraham, but for you and I. So you wonder, like, how can I bring glory to God? Well, live a life of faith, trust God, do what he says. And then verse 21 says this. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. So God said, I'm going to give you a son. And, uh, and you say, I don't believe you're going to give me a son. You're not going to glorify God. But Abraham did because he believed. Verse 21, he's fully convinced. Some of your translations read, fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. So faith is trusting in what God says, even when you can't see it. Friends, even when you don't see it, you trust God no matter what. Even when you don't understand it. People say, oh, I don't understand. I don't understand. It's not about you understanding it. See, um, so what is faith? Faith is not faith in faith. Faith is not positive thoughts. Faith is not positive thinking. Faith is not, I'm just going to be optimistic. I mean, you want to be optimistic, but that's not faith. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not fantasizing about your preferred future. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is believing God's word. Faith is trusting in what God says. See, God knows the future, and God has a plan for his people and a purpose. And so our hope is in Jesus, our trust is in Jesus, our faith is in Jesus, and we, if you're a Christ follower, are a people of faith. Without faith, the Bible says, it's what? It's impossible to please God. So think about it. Everybody has faith. The culture we live in has faith. They don't have faith in Jesus Christ, but faith in other things. So everyone has faith. Everyone trusts in something or someone. How's that? Well, just think about your own life. You go to the doctor, you get a prescription, and they write out a prescription. You're trusting the doctor that he knows what he's doing. You're trusting the doctor that he's giving you the right medicine. You're trusting that he's giving the right dosage, the right frequency. Uh, You're trusting that it's efficacy that he's done his homework, that it's going to work. You're trusting you're not going to have an allergic reaction to it. So you're, uh, there's not going to have interactions with other drugs. You are placing so much trust in that doctor, it is unbelievable. You are essentially like trusting the doctor with your own life. See, we trust all the time. Every day you wake up, you take that pill, you're trusting somebody that that's the best thing for you. Think about this. Uh, when you get on an airplane, I mean, how much trust is that? You trust the pilot, that the pilot uh, knows what they're doing, that the pilot, uh, uh, maybe they get tested or whatever, that they haven't had substance. You know, they have rules of whatever, how many days you can't have substance or drink, whatever. You're trusting that uh, the plane is certified, that the mechanics are certified, that the mechanics did their job. 
that the computers are working, that the IT people did their job. Uh, you're trusting that the engineer uh, engineered it right, that the assembly team put together the plane right. I mean, so much trust every time you get on a plane that you're exercising. How about when you get married? You're exercising so much trust. You're exercising trust that, wow, this person, I don't know about the future. I know what's going to happen in the future. Uh, maybe some of you have divorces in your family there, and you're thinking the same thing going to happen to me. I've got to trust this person, and I, have, I don't have a guarantee of how they're going to be down the road. So I struggle with that mightily, even though my wife's an awesome uh, woman, an awesome person, and I knew that and dated her a long time. I still struggle with that because of that. I'm in. What if something happens on her end that she's not in? But the time comes that you just have to exercise faith, and we do it all the time. So friends, why wouldn't we invest our faith in Jesus Christ, God the Father, and believe him who knows everything, who raises the dead and created the cosmos? Verse 22. And because of Abraham's faith, here it is, God counted him as righteous. So righteousness, right standing with God, salvation before God, comes through this, through, uh, through believing by faith in Jesus Christ, what he has done on the cross for you. And God then, uh, the, the word is imputed or gives or counts to your account righteousness. The great exchange. Verse 23, and when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded for our benefit too. Now, does that include our, our, us here too? The benefit of us in this tent, tent today and everybody watching online? Does it include with that? It says here, I mean, look, it's right in your Bible there. You can see it on the screens or in, on your iPhones or your hard copy. And so God counted him as righteous. It wasn't just for Abraham. That means it's for you. Like the truth here is for you. When God counted him as righteous, that truth is not just for Abraham. Uh, scripture was not just for people of that time. It was written for people of all time, including our time, including 2021 in Ukaipa, in the tent. This is written for you also. It includes us. The whole story of Abraham wasn't just written for him. It's for all of us. The Bible says that these things were not written, uh, these stories just for them, but for us, that we, through the encouragement of the Scriptures, might have hope. This is not just some Old Testament history lesson, some quaint flannel graph story here. No, this is for us. Today, the story of Abraham is for your sake also, that he was called to believe a promise, whereas we are privileged to believe an accomplished fact, okay? And the righteousness of Christ then is accounted to your account. God wants each of you to apply this to your life at the most fundamental level, recognizing that you can be right with God, not by what you do. Religion is spelled do. Do this and live, the law commands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. A better word the gospel brings, bids me fly and gives me wings. In other words, Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's been done for you. You just believe in what's been done for you, and then God's righteousness is credited toward you. Titus says, not by works of righteousness that we have done. It's not by anything that we have done. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, for by grace you're saved through faith, not of works, not of works, not of works. So it's all of Christ.
And so Christ plus nothing is the key here to faith. And so for our benefit too, so not just for Abraham, verse 24 says, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. What a staggering claim that there is a dead guy that is now alive. And when we pray, we pray to a living Lord. When we sang today, we sing to a living Lord. And when we don't know what the future holds for us, we invite Jesus who knows the future. He is the beginning and the end. Uh, his, he, his life lives on forever and ever. Ionios prosonios means forever and ever and ever. He is eternal. And so when we believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead, never to die again, God counts us as righteous. It's awesome, friends. It's awesome. Do you believe that? You believe that? I just some guy talking up here on Sunday morning. Yeah. And so if we believe the same about God that Abraham believed, the same God who was able to do what? Raise the dead, imputes, makes you in right standing, righteous before God. So we, we believe this. And notice, friends, that it is in the present tense. It is a present tense, ongoing, never-ending reliance upon trusting in what Jesus has done, which indicates a, a habitual continuous lifestyle of believing. That was good, friends. That was, that was really good right there. So you want to remember that. So, and I close with this. I close with this, that we are people of the resurrection, if you're a Christ follower. Um, if Jesus has remained in, the ga- remained in the grave, he's a dead savior, and he's no one savior. But he rose on the third day, according to the scriptures, from the dead. He was seen, the Bible says, by over 500 witnesses. How many people know it's hard to fake out 500 people at the same time? You know, and Paul said, and, and I saw him too. And so uh, he has the power to raise Christ from the dead, and his resurrection power uh, works in us even today. So this is the story of faith, and what we're going to do is we're going to close now. I want to close a little different. I want to do something different today. And uh, I'm going to ask you, Uh, If you would stand to your feet, first of all. And what we're going to do is, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to read some scripture over you. And I'm inspired to do this. This is why. The Bible says, watch, friends, watch. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So your faith is stirred. Your faith is built up when you hear the word of God. And so I thought, how cool would it be that we would close by hearing the word of God. So if you want to put yourself in a position just to, re- just to hear the word of God. And here it is, as taps, taps plays. And then we're going to sing over you. And you, you can uh, respond if you want. We're going to get to those in just a second. You can respond however you want. You can clap. You can be quiet. You can shout out. But you can respond. So here's the word of the Lord. Jesus said, do not fear, for I am with you. And don't be dismayed, because I'm your God. And I will strengthen you, and I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And you will keep him in perfect peace, those whose minds are steadfast, because they trust in you. The Lord himself will go before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid, and do not be discouraged. 
And Jesus said, I've told you these things that in me you have, may have peace, but in the world you're going to have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. And the Lord upholds him with his hand. And Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. And my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. And how about this one, friends? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you hope and a future. And don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How about this, friends? How about this? For we know that in all things, in COVID things, yep. Governmental things, yep. Can't trust people things, yep. For we know in all things God works for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God works good, friends. Have not I commanded you, be strong and of good courage, and don't be afraid and don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. How about this one? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. How about this one? I'm championing from the great book of Romans chapter 8, arguably the greatest chapter in the greatest book, uh, the greatest book of the Bible, the greatest book in all the world says this. If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up freely for us all, shall he not also with him freely give us all things? And who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, and who is there to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, was raised, who is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, friends. In all these things, we are made more than conquerors through him that loved us. It's good. It's good.